in his life. And wow, what a privilege we have to be part of a ministry like that, touching thousands and thousands of lives. Uh, we thank God for Chris. Uh, hopefully you can pick up a copy of our Missions Focus book, Volume 2, uh, this morning. Uh, you'll find some stories that are amazing how God is using Chris in a special way. Thank you for being here. We want to thank all our ministries as well that we're connected to. Thank you for being with us. And please, we ask you, don't leave this room until you connect to at least one of these tables. Um, that you may take time in listening to all God is doing in our community. So please do that this morning. Look to the person next to you say, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for coming if you're here for the first time, we, we thank you. Late one night, a salesman drove into a strange city and tried to get a room in a hotel. The clerk informed him that there was no vacancy, there was no room. So disappointed, he started to leave the lobby when a dignified gentleman offered to share his room with him. Gratefully, the traveler accepted his kindness. Just before retiring to go to sleep, the man who had shown such hospitality knelt and prayed aloud. And in his petition, he referred to the stranger by name and asked the Lord to bless him. Upon awakening the next morning, he told his guest it was his habit to read the Bible and commune with God at the beginning of each day. And he asked if he, could, if he would join him that morning. The Holy Spirit had been speaking to the heart of this salesman. And when his host tactfully confronted him with the claims of Christ, he gladly received the Savior. As the two were ready to part, they exchanged business cards. And this new believer in Christ was amazed to read what it said on that card. It said, William Jennings Bryan, Secretary of State of the United States, 1914, you see, William Jennings Bryan was not only the Secretary of State under President Woodrow Wilson, but most importantly, he was an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador for Christ. And this is what we want to talk about a little bit this morning. Understanding that we're starting this wonderful week of missions focus. Understanding that we're going to focus this morning in our neighborhoods, in our community, but also, we're going to focus on the responsibility that each believer, each disciple of Christ has before Christ. So if you have your Bibles, let's open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a wonderful chapter in the New Testament. We're going to start reading in verse 17 and then go through verse 21. And this is what God's Word says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come together and open this wonderful book, this, this book that is eternal, these words 
that are expressed from the center of your heart. We ask you to speak to us this morning. I pray for those who do not have a relationship with you. That today they may understand your love, your compassion, your mercy. And that they may take an important step of knowing you. And for us that um, know you, Lord, we ask you to speak to us this morning. That we may understand the responsibility that you have given us simply because of your grace. And that, Lord, we can make a difference for you. We ask you to speak to our hearts this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This chapter 5 here, the Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians highlights clearly who we are called to be after all that has happened to us upon coming to Christ. I love verse 20 because here the Apostle Paul begins saying, therefore. It's interesting, Paul here uses a conjunction in the Greek that is used to declare a conclusion to all that was declared before. That's what it's there for. In other words, what Paul was trying to communicate is simply by extension of everything that has happened, all of what I'm about to say connects the dots and explains what we're called to do. And so he says, therefore, everything that I've explained before, everything that has happened to you, now you are ambassadors of Christ. The word ambassador in the Greek is actually a verb, not a noun. The Apostle Paul establishes the fact that an ambassador is, is one who does as an ambassador does. It's a word of action. It means that I must understand what responsibility God has given me and I do it. It speaks of being an ambassador, being part of an envoy. It's somebody who travels or work as a representative. The word Presbyterian comes from this root word. So Paul is explaining with clarity that now we ought to understand because of what Christ has done that we are moved and mobilized to represent Him. And our lives are vessels on His behalf. This is amazing. We've been learning about this as we have gone as a church through the, the letter of First Peter. Uh, the Spirit of God through His Word and Pastor Ryan, God has, has taught us the fact that we are exiles and foreigners. We're not of this world. And because we're not of this world, we, we represent a heavenly kingdom that is here today but also is to come. So what we find here through this passage is that the embassy of God is His church. And we as members of that church are His ambassadors. I believe all of us like how ambassadors are treated today. They're well-received. They're invited to all important events. They're recognized figures. But our situation is a little different, especially in our culture today. We're, we're in a battle, and we need to know this and keep making an appeal to those around us. That's what Paul says in verse 20. He says, God making his appeal through us. Literally, we can read this phrase saying, on behalf of Christ, we must serve as ambassadors. It's interesting that Paul uses the word iper in the Greek. And this word is a preposition indicating that of an activity or event in some entity's interest. In other words, it's for, in behalf of, for the sake of someone or something that I speak clearly of. Now, I love the book of Hebrews, and especially chapter 11. 
We find there in that chapter the hall of fame of men and women of faith. And it's interesting, in verse 13, the writer of the Hebrews says these words, talking about those men and women that truly walked with God, that lived out the fact of being ambassadors. He says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that uh, they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people, says the writer, who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. This is a, a wonderful description of, this, of these men and women that understood what their calling was. You see, these men and women knew that they were representatives of a superpower. They were representatives of Christ. They were representatives of God on earth. And the, the world heard them speak it. The world heard them say it. Now, my question for you this morning is simple. Does the world know this of you? Could people say that your life is completely fixed on who you have been called to represent or where your homeland is? Now, an ambassador in biblical times were people of rank whose office was respected greatly. Like ambassadors today, they would communicate messages between their king and other governments. But unlike today, they did not reside in foreign capitals or count with an entire staff or various uh, employees. They had no power of no negotiation, nor could they make decisions for the king. These representatives would communicate what the king needed and were sent. Not like ambassadors today that are recalled during times of tension. No, when there was a battle, they were, they were sent especially during those periods of strain. And the goal of sending them was to reestablish peaceful relations. Jesus spoke of this in, in Luke chapter 14 when talking about a king that knows he cannot win the battle. What king does not send out, says Jesus, a body of ambassadors or a delegation and ask for terms of peace? You see, we are called out to be part of a representation of Christ himself. And during times of difficulty, hostile moments in our lives. And, and as we see what we have before us, the Apostle Paul in chapter 5 says, we must understand that one day we will give an account. And we see it in verse 10. He says, all believer, every believer must present himself or herself before the judgment seat of Christ. We don't have time to talk about that this morning. But what should move us is to understand that one day I will give an account on how I fulfilled this ambassadorial duty for Christ. Why is it so important? Why is it so important to understand what I have been called to do, uh, especially knowing everything that Christ has done for me? Well, I believe the Apostle Paul explains it here in this passage that we just read. I believe that the Apostle Paul establishes the fact that we must understand why fulfilling these duties, fulfilling my ambassadorial office is so important. He begins in verse 17 and verse 18. You see, uh, the Apostle Paul is establishing with clarity that uh, fulfilling this office of representing Christ is the only worthy response I can give. The only worthy response. And I love how Paul begins because he says in verse 17, we have been made new. 
Do you understand what truly has happened on the inside the moment that you placed your, your faith in Christ? The, the Bible says that you were made a new creation. Everything now has changed. What was important to me no longer is. And I, and I love that Paul says, behold, that word in the Greek speaks about a shout, a loud announcement that, that the new has come. This phrase is written in the perfect tense in the Greek that indicates that this began at a point in the past with the results continuing in the present. You see, my devotion has changed. My behavior has changed. My, my destiny has changed. And Paul says in verse 18, this was not produced by myself. This wasn't something that I created uh, within me uh, with my own power. No, he says all of this in verse 18 was given by God. God is not only the author of my first creation, but he's also the author of the second one as well. It was his love that moved him to act in my behalf. That same love should move me to speak on his behalf. Now it's interesting, the phrase that we use normally during uh, missions week or missions conferences is the Great Commission. It's a great phrase. But we don't find this phrase nowhere in the four Gospels in the New Testament. It's interesting how every writer of the Gospels decided to finish and describe the command that Jesus was leaving his disciples to continue to do. We find in Matthew chapter 28 that famous command of Christ of, of going and making disciples to all nations, to ethnos, all ethnic groups. Jesus commanding his disciples to go and to baptize them and teach them all that he had taught them. In the book of Mark, we know in verse 8 that Mark finishes his gospel expressing what happened to the women as they went to the tomb. It says that the angel there told them to go and tell the disciples that he had risen, but it says they were full of fear and did not speak what they were supposed to speak. Luke, we find in chapter 24 that Jesus once again reappears to his disciples and he tells them, listen, this all had to happen. I had to die and rise again because the message of repentance and faith had to be preached to the nations. But then John, we find in chapter 21, decides to use an encounter that Jesus had with Peter. Jesus goes back and looks for his disciples, the same ones that ran. When they should have stood with him, they ran away. Jesus confronts them once again, and Peter finds himself before another bonfire. He had stood before one three days before. And Jesus there asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And I know Jesus there uses the word in the, in the, word in the Greek, agapao which uh, signifies or means that divine love, that sacrificial love, that unconditional love. Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds, not with that love, but with a phileo love, which is a, a brotherly love. Jesus, you know that I love you as a brother. Jesus once again asked him a second time, and he says, do you agapeo me? And, and Peter responds, Lord, you know I phileo you. And Jesus asked Peter a third time, but here we see Jesus lowers to Peter's level. And he says, Peter, do you at least love me with a phileo love? And Peter responds, Lord, you know I phileo you. Now, many of us are quick to judge Peter at that moment, but listen, 
What Peter is saying, truly, as we listen to those words is, Lord, I cannot love you with that love in which you have loved me. There is no way that I can show that same sacrificial, unconditional love that you have shown coming back and and standing before me. Lord, I, I can only love you with the love that I have. As we read the rest of the passage, we know that Jesus prophesied what was going to happen to Peter's life. He said, Peter, you were used to just making your own decisions and doing what you pleased, but now you're going to live for me. The love that you have seen in me, the love that you're going to experience within you is going to even take you to give your life for the cause of the gospel. So Peter, Peter is an example of what God desires to do through us. You see, if you have received this love, God's desire is for you to live out what he has called you to live out, and that is to be an ambassador for Christ. I love what Paul says in verse 14. He says, the love of Christ controls me. Paul here is stating with clarity that it was the love of Christ towards him that drove him to provide the only worthy response, being driven to the specific end of representing Christ well. The word control here, control, speaks uh, entirely to hold together, to press together, to occupy someone's attention intensely. It's also translated in many translations, compels or constrains, but it speaks of urging toward a particular course of action. All because of this, Paul finishes and he says, I have come to a single verdict. And we find that verdict in in verse 15. A verdict on the fact that the best response any true disciple of Christ can make is not living for themselves, but living for Him who paid the price for us. So the best response I can give is to live out this office that God has given us, given me to do. I love John Stott. He wrote a short book on evangelism. It's called Our Guilty Silence. And he gives references of four reasons why we don't share the gospel. He talks about pride. He talks about fear. He talks about pessimism. He talks about indifference. But then he says, nothing shuts the mouth and seals the lips and ties the tongue like the secret poverty of our spiritual experience. Friends, if we don't have a desire to and a history of sharing the gospel, this is a heart issue. To the degree we truly grasp the gospel, we will share it. True love will always find a way. My question for you this morning is, are you sharing the truth of Christ? Are you living out this ambassadorial office that God has given you? The second point we find in verse 18, the last part of verse 18, in verse 19, where Paul says, truly, living out or fulfilling this ambassadorial office is the only reason why we're here, and that reason is because of the ministry of reconciliation. Paul states the fact that the moment we came to Christ, we were giving Him ministry. All of us that are followers of Christ, that are disciples of Christ, we're called to be a a part of what God is doing around the world. What God is doing in our communities, what God is doing in our neighborhoods, we are called to be part of this ministry. Paul uses the word reconciliation five times in this passage. And the the word in the Greek speaks about reconciling or presenting an exchange uh, from hostility to a friendly relationship. 
Now, all of us love reconciliation. We have maybe lived it. We're, we, we maybe are praying for it. We love when we have come together with another person and we have asked for forgiveness or, or we have forgiven. What, what beauty it is to be reconciled with another person. Now, uh, thinking about that and the importance that is to us, can you imagine, have you thought or have you pondered on the fact of what reconciliation is with God? Uh, God, the creator of the universe, allowing me to have a relationship with him, that is what the gospel is. This is what the ministry is. And Paul, with clarity, understood this fact. Once God reconciled Paul to himself, Paul's life purpose would be telling others about this message of reconciliation. You see, in Christ, God is not counting people's sins against them. God made the sinless Jesus to be sin in order to declare all who trust in him righteous people rather than sinful people. And that's why Paul says in verse 19, entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. The word here in the Greek is uh, logos. And it, and it talks about the communication where the mind finds expression or word. This message has been committed to us. I love the translation in the Message Bible uh, uh, expressing this verse. It says, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. Do you understand the privilege that we have? Do you understand um, the opportunities God gives us to be able to tell others, tell everyone what he's doing? See, we don't have our own message. We are called to pronounce our king's message. An ambassador cannot operate in silence. He must become the constant voice of his kingdom's message. Paul says, continuing in this passage, and though God were making his appeal through us, that word appeal is speaking of beseeching. It's the word parakaleo, to urge strongly, urge, exhort, encourage, to beg, to implore. That's what he's saying. If we're going to fulfill this, this obligation that we have before Christ of being ambassadors, then we must appeal to others. We must beg. This is a clear calling of understanding that what we might do or what we must do is represent God's kingdom. We are the representation of God's kingdom at work, in my neighborhood, at my school, or even in my family. We go out and we communicate the message of Christ's love with authority conveyed by Christ himself under any circumstances. Any. A few years ago, a family who are friends of ours they were missionaries in the country of Mexico, went through a devastating situation. Their daughter of 11 years old passed away in a car accident. She had gone with her classmates to the city of Mexico to go to a museum. And there they finished the day. All they had to do was get on the bus and go back home. Um, all her classmates were on the bus. The only two people that were left was a friend of hers. Uh, this little girl's name was Lydia and herself. And they had to cross the road. And so they bought something that they wanted to buy, and they were ready to cross the road when from a corner there was a vehicle. The passenger was, I mean, the driver was about 21 years old. And he was uh, driving the vehicle with full speed. Now, Lydia's friends saw the car coming, saw the speed that the car was coming in. 
And so she took a step back, but Lydia didn't see the car. And so she kept walking, crossing the road, and this vehicle hit this little girl straight head on. She flew in the air. She then hit the pavement and passed away immediately. All her classmates saw the accident. It was devastating. Her parents received the call. They were in the kitchen. They were on their knees with tears flowing from their eyes. They looked up and said, Lord, we don't understand. But together that morning, that that afternoon, they, they prayed and said, God, use us. Use this situation, even though we're full of pain, so people may come to know who you are. It was unbelievable how God used that accident in the lives of hundreds of people. Many of Lydia's classmates came to Christ. The principal of Lydia's school came to Christ. But God had placed a burden upon Lydia's father's heart to do something about the driver that had killed his daughter. And so he said, I've got to go visit him in jail. This was a young man, 21 years old. But Leo, my friend, knew and understood his duty, his office, that even though full of pain and and confronting a tragic situation like that, Christ's name had to be proclaimed. And so this young missionary went to the, the prison. And the prison authorities didn't want him to come in because they thought he was going to do something to this, uh, to this young driver. He's going to come and kill him. That's what they were saying. He said, no, no, I'm here to share about the love of Christ. And so Leo walked into the cell. This young driver who was paying a high price for what he did, he was in the He ran to the corner because he was scared, thinking that this man was going to do something to him. And so this missionary began to speak to him and said, listen, I know you're probably going through the most difficult time in your life, but I'm here to tell you that I also killed someone. So this young driver looks at him and says, what? You killed someone? He said, yes. He said, my sin crucified Jesus Christ on the cross. My iniquity My bad deeds, my uh, deciding to do everything that goes against God, crucified Jesus Christ. And this missionary began to share the gospel with this man. And that day in that cell, on their knees, this young driver who had killed this 11-year-old girl came to know Christ as his personal Savior. This is truly what the reason why is. You see, we should fulfill this ambassadorial office because we know that God is in the business of reconciling sinners to himself. That is his focus. That is his heart. And because it's God's heart, then it should be ours. So it doesn't matter what personality I have. It does not matter what the gifts God has given me. It doesn't matter my talents. What matters is that if I have come to understand that I have been forgiven of my sin, then the only reason of existing is be faithful to taking this message to others. The third thing that we find here in this passage that helps us understand why this ambassadorial office should be fulfilled, we find in verse 21. And I love it because here we find the great resolve that gives us the privilege of doing this in the first place. The great resolve, God doing it all. And I love verse 21 because there is no no clear verse in the New Testament that establishes the doctrine of substitution atonement like this one. According to Scripture, 
God's righteousness demands someone to pay for sin. If I pay, the Bible says I will pay in a place called hell. But if I place my trust in the one who voluntarily took my place on the cross, the Bible says my sins are forgiven and his righteousness is granted to me. Christ's death was not simply a declaration against evil or a demonstration of love, but a payment that satisfied God's demand. Jesus was made sin for us, Paul says. Jesus was treated as he committed every sin ever committed, even though he never sinned. Receiving the full force of God's wrath upon him so that he could treat you and I as he treats Jesus. I love this verse because it talks about a great exchange. God placing my sin on his son Jesus Christ and then through Christ giving me his righteousness. His righteousness. My question to you this morning, have you come to confront yourself before this resolve that God provided through the greatest event in history, knowing that he did it for you. The only thing that God is asking is for you to come to him. The only thing God awaits is for you to realize that you need him. For about four months after I came to Christ, I sat under a pastor who was a great teacher of God's word. His name is Dr. Stanley Pons. Every time the church was open, I was there as he taught classes and preached Sunday morning and Sunday night, this man was used greatly by God in my life during those four months. But something that impacted me about that man, that every time that he preached, at the end of his message, he would always pull out his wallet. And he'd extend his hand. He said, this is me. This is you. And he says, this wallet is our sin. And so he'd begin to ask the congregation, how many of you have been dishonest, right? And raise your hand. And there's some people that rose their hand. He'd say, uh, how many of you guys have, uh, have cheated on, your, on, a, on a test or cheated on your taxes? Raise your hand. And so some people would raise their hand, right? He'd, he'd say, how many of you guys have stolen something that wasn't yours? And, and so some people would raise their hand. Then he'd stop and say, hey, if you're sitting next to that person, be careful. Watch your wallet and your purse because you never know what can happen. As he explained the fact that our sin is a debt before the presence of God, he would raise up his other hand. He said, that's why Christ came to us. God sent his only begotten son. God sent the sinless lamb of God. God in the flesh came to live the life that you couldn't live and to die the death that you deserved. And it was God the Father that placed our debt that placed your debt on Christ. He didn't have to die, but the Bible says that he voluntarily gave his life, and he took it back because not only did he die, three days later he rose again for you to understand that there is no greater love than the one who paid the price for you. Every time this man would give that illustration, I would sit there with tears in my eyes. I had already known Christ. I, I, I gave my life to Christ. But every time he began to describe and illustrate what truly happened, my debt was taken on my behalf. I am a witness, knowing that Jesus 
is my substitution before a holy and just God. God has called us all to go. We must go knowing that we're ambassadors of a kingdom that is here and it is to come. And may God use us to share this message and that we can see many be reconciled with Christ. This is what it's all about. May we, before Christ that day in that judgment seat of Christ, hear the words, you have been faithful and good. You have been faithful in being ambassadors for me. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We ask you, God, to speak to our hearts, and most importantly, that you may use us. Lord, I pray for those who maybe don't have a relationship with you. I pray, God, that you may work in their hearts this morning. I pray that they may take this important step of just depositing their faith in you. Lord, the Bible says if, if I'm going to pay for my sin, I will pay in a place called hell. But Lord, you have promised to give us eternal life. I pray, God, that you may speak to those who need to be reconciled to yourself, that they may this morning place their trust in Christ. For us that are disciples of Christ, Lord, allow us to understand this responsibility, knowing that we should fulfill our duties as ambassadors of Christ. Lord, we want to tell, we want to shout out, we want to plead with those around us, in our neighborhoods, at our jobs, Lord, in our families. Use us. We thank you, Lord, for the person that you used that shared the gospel to us. We thank you that they understood this, this worthy response of telling others about you. We pray for these ministries, God, that you're using in our community. We pray that they can continue to be faithful to you, be used by you. And Lord, as a church, may we take their hand. May we say, I'm willing to give my time, my talents, my treasures to, to, to share this beautiful message and see people reconciled with God. This is what it's all about. We lay our lives before you this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Let's stand this morning. Let's worship the Lord, thanking Him for what He has done for us.